0: Hey, uh, welcome to Church of the Red Door. If you've never never been to Church of the Red Door, raise your hand. Look at all of our new friends. Unbelievable. Welcome, welcome. (laughs) Thrilled to have you. Thrilled to have you. Before we get going, we started on this, for those of you who haven't been here, we've been going through this letter to the Ephesians, and last week we talked about the gifts that the Holy Spirit poured out, Jesus ascending back to the right hand of the Father in triumph, captivity, taking captivity captive, pouring out gifts on men, and uh, so I'm going to give you a little taste for this morning about gifts that are now operating at Church at the Red Door, and so if I get Jaden and Robert to come up, that would be incredible. Come on up, you two, Jaden and Robert. Everybody give them a good Church at the Red Door welcome. (laughs) Now, Jaden, how old are you? 15 and a half. And a half, because, <laughs> first service, she said, I'm 15 and a half. I said, Well, I've never, not, well, no, in the last 30 years, I have never said and a half. <laughs> so uh, that's all. 15 and a half, and you have got some incredible things that are about to be going on in your life over the next six months. Mm-hmm. And with you and your dad, Dr. Wyn, who is a local surgeon here in the desert, tell us about what's going on in July. So, July, um, me and my dad are going down to Paraguay, a city called Luque, mm. and we're going to provide free medical like services to the people there. So, um, I'm going to be there like um, controlling crowds, and my dad's going to be operating on people. And so, together, we're just going to help the people down there. Is that not awesome? Is that not awesome? <laughs> So, obviously, Church of the Red Door, we're going to be praying for you and your dad and the whole team, but you would love to have us help you with a few things. Tell us what that is and how how we can help you over the next few weeks. So I am collecting donations of toothbrushes, toothpaste, and uh, children's vitamins, like Hard vitamins, not gummies, because uh, we, they go stale over time. So I'm planning on bringing that down there with me and giving it to the people in need because um, I feel we're all very blessed and I want to share those blessings with everyone. So yeah. Is that any good? Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking, can, I'm thinking we can bring some toothbrushes, new toothbrushes, <laughs> toothbrushes, on the next few weeks, and toothpaste and children's vitamins. And so Jaden's got a little uh, little table set up there next to Robert, and she's going to be saying so over the next few weeks, if you can remember to bring some of that stuff, we're going to we're going to pack it all up, and she's going to take it to Paraguay, yeah. and she's going to be an extension of church at the Red Door because yes. we're going to be praying for you. And is this awesome? I'm so excited. Isn't that awesome? I'm so excited. Is your dad still here? Where's uh, Doctor? Yeah, Wim? he's back there. He come on, got- Doctor. Wen, raise your hand back there. You must be so pleased with your daughter. I I asked Dr. Winn if he wanted to come up, and he goes, no, this is all her deal. This is her idea, her thing, her thing, so that's awesome. So we're, we love you Thank we're you so, so proud much. of you we're so proud of you Robert, you got something going on too buddy I mean you now a lot of you know Robert Robert's been with us he's family now and he he's he came out of Coachella Valley Rescue mission went through new life program five only five percent make it through new life made it all the way through new life program. Is now in in out? What, what do you call where you're living now? Uh, Co- uh, Coachella Valley. Yeah. Ship, no. Coachella. Where are you living now? You're oh, in a, sober living house. Sober, sober living, living house. house. Go ahead. Here you go. And yeah. but he cannot be stopped. He's like he's been so impacted by Jesus that what are you into now? What are you doing? Tell us a little bit about so, what's going uh, on right now. Uh, I'm, like, uh, going to do outreach with homeless people that don't actually go to the mission. They're, like, in the trenches, under bridges, in, like, bushes, you know what I mean? Just out in the desert, and they just, you know, be they don't come out to really socialize with too many people because they just, they're that's just the way they've been living for the last 20 years or 15 years or whatever. If they're on drugs or something like that, you know what I mean? Then I just, I'll go out there, and I'll minister with them, and I'll pray with them, and i give them things that they need, and, you know what I mean? Just, just... Show them uh, encouragement, and and you know I me, mean? show them that God loves them, and then you know saying mean? try to see if they want to accept Jesus into their heart. Is yeah. that not good? Is that not good? Amen. Yeah. Yeah. So, Robert, we are so proud of you. I mean, we're so proud of you. You come out, you made it all the way through. He's gotten back and getting his GED. has been making A's and B's on all of his tests. Amen. And. Yeah. And I'm convinced, I, I, I kind of prophesied over you, even though I'm not a prophet, Jeff, as we <laughs> talked about last week. I think he's going to go to Bible college, and I think we're going to help send him to Bible college, and I think he'll be doing. Mm-hmm. telling what kind of ministerial things you'll be doing over the coming years. So I can tell you we're proud of you, and Jaden, we're proud of you. Amen. And we, yeah. th- I got to tell Thank you, you very I, much, I, I have not it. the foggiest idea I don't even know if I could pick Paraguay out on a map. That's how pathetic I am. I've never been down there, and if they, and I could, I'm, I'm afraid to even put on a Band-Aid. And so I can't do that, but you and your dad can do that. And I, I have the foggiest clue how to relate to some of these people, but you can do that. And all of a sudden, we're doing what Jesus said to fill the earth with him, and that's his church. And so you two as extensions of Church at the Red Door you have our prayers, you're going to have our blankets and our t-shirts and what else do you need? Blankets, t-shirts, t-shirts, underwear, toilet underwear, paper, socks, things like it. that. Anything like that you can bring yeah. over the next 2 weeks. Uh, Robert's going to use it and his partners are going to use it out with the, not even the Coachella Valley Rescue Mission. I mean out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And Jaden yeah. we're going to bring you toothbrushes and toothpaste and and children's vitamins. And Amen. Thank you, church. We appreciate it. We love you guys. Thank you so, much. so proud of you. So proud of you. Proud of you, brother. Thank you. Thank you. We just stick that on that little. All right. Is that any good? I mean, that's what. That's what. That's what using your gift looks like. He's going to send you to a people that you know, a people group that you know that you understand, that you can empathize with, that you can relate to. And uh, all of us, if we're doing our collective effort. Our, we become a body and we fill the earth, so that's awesome. You ready to move on? I'm gonna pray. Father, we thank you. We just we are ready, we start praying for Dr. Wynn and Jaden and we pray for Robert and all the men that are involved with him. And Lord, just let them take the love of Jesus, fill their bodies with your spirit. And now you have willing arms and feet and legs and hands and, and mouths and ears and Lord, you inhabit their body. As they go and represent you, make you famous in Paraguay and and out among the bushes. Lord, we thank you for that. We need you this morning to continue the process of working through this letter. We are excited about what you have to say to us. And uh, Father, give us ears to hear over the next few minutes as we dive into your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. You ready? We're going to read Ephesians chapter 4. That's where we're going to start. We're going to start with the text. And we're going to look and we're going to see exactly what Paul is trying to affirm. He says, look, this is the way you used to be. We're going to get a picture of your unregenerate life. This is what he says, starting Ephesians 4, verse 17. He says, so this I say and affirm together with the Lord, that you no longer walk as the Gentiles also walk in the, now catch this, in the futility of their mind They're darkened in their understanding. They're excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. Now, when you think about those words, let me tell you something. The first thing that jumps out to me, there's ignorance and darkness and all that, but it's that don't be like you used to be. Now, when he's saying Gentiles here, he's not just talking about non-Jews. Typically, that's what that means. Gentile is just goyim or the nations or non-Jews. Here I think he's really referencing anybody that's outside of God's covenantial purposes, certainly the new covenant. Anybody that's not walking with God, this is, now catch this, don't be like you used to be because you used to be not walking with God. Don't be like that and don't walk in the futility of your mind. He says they've become callous, they've given themselves over to sensuality, they practice every kind of impurity and they do it with greediness. He says, but you didn't learn Christ in this way, and if indeed you've heard of him and you've been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, in other words, the way you used to roll, lay aside that old self. It's being corrupt in accordance with the lusts of deceit and that you be renewed in the spirit, again, of your mind. Don't walk in the futility of your mind. You got to have it Renewed. This is put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Now, those verses, we're going to unpack it, but the primary focal point this morning is going to be, what does it even mean to walk in the futility of your own mind? Well, futility in the Greek just means inutility. It's just useless. There's no value to it. It's so earthbound. The way you think is so earthbound. There's a transientness to it as well. And because it's not connected, think of an umbilical cord. The earth not connected to the creator. It's in rebellion. It's it's in complete rebellion to God. And because it's not connected, well, depravity emerges because man in his own wisdom can't not find God. Let me tell you something. This is a bold claim. I mean, this is a, this. Think about this for a second. This claim that Jesus came as a perfect representation of God. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I mean, do you do you realize how crazy that is? This is our galaxy. Okay, so this is this is the Milky Way. Now, some of you know. Here goes Jeff again, talking about all of his you know astronomy stuff. I. I don't know, but you know why I'm constantly coming back to this? You know why I'm, I have pictures all around my office of this? I had to actually paint a picture almost exactly like this. I have it right behind my desk, right behind my chair, and then above it I have that famous picture of the two fingers touching, you know, God kind of coming down and touching men, always trying to remind me myself that I am nothing apart from well, apart from the way God thinks about reality, that's the only good way. To, that's the only way. I don't even value my thoughts anymore. It's like if they're his thoughts, then I value them. If they're mine, well, they're up for debate. Now, if they're based on his thoughts, then I'm confident. Now, I'm going I'm to go over here. If I had, and I'm talking a pin, a needle point, and I went over here. Now, okay, here we go. You ready? This is the Milky Way, and the Milky Way is 100,000 light years across I know you've heard me say this, but now that you got this picture, so from this end to this is a spiral galaxy, the earth is out on some kind of almost a, with our little solar system, almost an inconsequential part of our own galaxy. So it light, these photons of light that are traveling at 186,000 miles a second, not 186,000 miles an hour, that would be fast enough. 186,000 miles per second If a photon of light is emanated from one of these stars, it's gonna take 100,000 years at 186,000 miles a second just to get right over to the end of our galaxy. Do you recognize the scale here? Our solar system, you couldn't even find if they took a pinpoint and went boom. Our sun, yeah, this might represent one of A star, our sun is just a star. Our sun is one million times larger than the earth. You could fit a million earths inside of our sun. And yet there are other stars in the galaxy that dwarf our sun. Our sun is 93 million miles away from earth. It takes light 8.3 minutes to get here from the sun. And if we took a pen and you just went right here, here's our solar system, boom, and that's one galaxy. Well, what about the other hundreds of billions of galaxies? Some galaxies dwarfing our own. Are you feeling like, well, we can do this with our own intellect? I mean, we're smart. I mean, you know, California's a big state. I mean, really? I mean, think about this claim. Jesus comes down and says, I created all this. Paul says, by him and through him, all things that have been created were created. It's through him. He claimed to be God. This claim is, well, what's the alternative? Let me ask you, what would he be? If it's not Jesus and Jesus wasn't God, what's the alternative? Well, we're back to trusting in our own limited, ever-changing, you know, (laughs) perspectives of life and meaning. Can, now, can we get consensus on that? Do you think everybody agrees about what life's about? You think if we could go out today and just go down to El Paseo or somewhere or go down to the mall or go down to the, you know, and, and just stop. Tell us the meaning of life. Tell us the meaning of life. Tell us what's important to you. Tell us what you think about this. Here's this issue, this issue, this issue. Everybody's just all over the boards. And somehow, are we going to get consensus? And if we don't have consensus, we don't have unity. And if we don't have unity, what, what's the byproduct of that? Chaos. Now, we know that our world is in chaos. We can feel it. It feels wrong. It feels like there's... It doesn't take a brain surgeon to know that. I mean, what is it? Well, we, we've got issues. This is a dangerous place to live down here. I don't know if you know that. Tsunamis. I mean, I'm still... That of all the natural disasters that I've ever seen, that tsunami that came and wiped out those islands uh, in, the, in, the, in Asia and in Indonesian islands and things, Philippines and things, th- that, that messed me up. And then when the tsunami hit Japan, and I remember watching it live when that thing was swallowing up, going across the land, and it would swallow up a farm and then another. And then I know between these, some, these two tsunamis, hundreds of thousands of lives were lost. It's dangerous down here. It's dangerous down here. Cancer, new you know, influences that can't be stopped, terrorism, murder. I mean, maybe somebody's at our home, robbing our home right now. Maybe somebody, you know, I have have no idea. I hope not. I have no idea. It's just dangerous. People are going to be in car accidents. There will be hundreds of people that will die in car accidents today. It's chaos down here. And then Jesus comes and says, I came to set this chaos straight I, I, and you can enter my kingdom and move into unity and you can move in, you can move, but you, it's my kingdom, it's at hand and, and you can, all can buy into this idea of a righteous king. See, so he's saying now, uh, you guys are so futile in your speculations that you're missing that, you're going back to the old ways. So how do we do this? Well, to be honest with you, we need a, we need a brain transplant, That's exactly what we need. We need a brain transplant. And in some ways, we have been given that. It's a supernatural action. It actually comes from above. First Corinthians two, verse sixteen, it says, For who's known the mind of the Lord? That he will instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Now who's we? We are those people that said, Look, I am just tired of running my own life. It hasn't worked out so great. I do believe that that there has been this umbilical cord that's come down out of the heavens and has infused us with truth about reality. That's Jesus, I'm following Jesus. You identify with his death, burial and resurrection, you come up out of the water, you're born again and you've been filled with the Holy Spirit. In that way, you now have the mind of Christ. Does that mean you know everything Jesus knows? No, but it means you have a regenerated heart and soul and spirit at, that is in process and you start to think different thoughts. Now I can tell you, if you've been following Jesus for a while, you just know I think differently than I used to think. I used to think this way, now I think this way. But is there always a pull to bring take you back to thinking like you used to think and walking in the futility of your mind? And see, that's what Paul's saying here. James 1, this has got to be from outside. Don't go back into your earthbound thinking. James 1, 17 says, Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above. From where? Above. Coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. Let me tell you something. That means a lot to me. What are you putting your hopes in? Science? Well, that's a lot of variation and shifting shadow there. The way we thought about things 50 years, 100 years ago, they look ridiculous. A lot of them do now. Some don't, but a lot of them do. They look ridiculous. And 100 years from now, what will we think about science? I, I think God will be more and more put on display as science gets closer to the reality of our universe. We already know more. We have less excuse today than we've ever had for not, for not believing in God. Just understanding the perfect nature of his creation, it's unbelievable. James 3, third chapter, verse 13, who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior his deeds and the gentleness of wisdom. If you have bitter jealousy, selfish ambition in your heart, and are arrogant and lie against the truth. This kind of wisdom that results in that fallout, this kind of wisdom is not that which comes where? From above. It is earthly, it's natural, it's demonic. For where jealously and selfish ambition are, there's disorder, that's chaos, and every evil thing. But the wisdom that's from above, it's pure, it's peaceable, it's gentle, it's reasonable, it's full of mercy and good fruits unwavering, it's without hypocrisy. The seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Now, this idea of the demonic so, earthbound thinking is demonic. Let's just say, earthbound thinking is demonic. It's in rebellion and it's demonic. Let's talk about some possibilities of what might be demonic, what might be us using or walking in the futility of our own minds. I just thought of a couple, three ways. Uh, there are many more ways that we can walk in futility, but a couple struck, stuck out to me as I was thinking about this week. First of all, imagining that discovering God's physical laws in some way, dispossess us from the need to have God at the center of it. Stephen Hawking was great at this before he died. And in in fact, as I look back, as smart as he was, as as much as he understood several disciplines in the sciences, which I fully support, trust me, we're not anti-scientific here at all, but to say this in his book, The Grand Design... Because there is a law such as gravity, the universe can and will create itself from nothing. Really, out of nothing. He goes on to say, spontaneous creation is the reason there is something rather than nothing. Why the universe exists, why we exist. It's not necessary to invoke God to light the blue touch paper and set the universe going. Where did the blue touch paper come from? That's what I want to know. Where did it come from? He goes on and says to ABC News One can't prove that God doesn't exist, but science makes God unnecessary. The laws of physics can explain the universe without the need for a creator. Now, I'm just telling you, that's absurd. You show me anything in your experience where something has come from nothing, materialistically. Show me anything. Show me anything that's spontaneously generated. Now, in the old days, before you had, you know, the microscope and the ability and pasteur and some of these guys were able to see these little microbes running around, uh then you could almost say, well, that was nothing there in that Petri dish, and then we woke up the next morning and we could see something. Well, there was something there, you just didn't have the ability to see it. It was too small. And then it grew overnight, and they thought that was spontaneous uh, generation. Well, it's not. Something coming from nothing. They can't start from nothing. They can't. It's impossible. Well, you start with these uh, uh, magnetic, electric magnetic waves and these fields and things. I said, no, that's not nothing. Nothing is nothing. And there's nothing in my experience that says nothing can produce something. And that's something that I got that out. (laughs) No, no, think about that. Is that not true? But, so that's, let me tell you, that's just futility in thinking. What about creating, what about, let me ask you a question, what about creating gods for our own needs? Now, a lot of people think if we can get the moral constructs right, then religion is all good. And, and some of you maybe even here or listening online can say, well, all religions, may, you know, they're, they're, they have aspects of the same truth and they're trying to get towards that ultimate truth and they, they have different perspectives on God. Well, that's still futility in thinking. I think one of the things that he's talking about that's natural and earthly and demonic one of the things that's demonic is a religion that denies the divinity of Jesus and that Jesus actually came from outside creation and just took on the form of bond slave and took on the form of a man and entered the, hum- the stream of humanity. I know it's a big claim, but again, what are your alternatives? Well, everybody has the best idea. People from time immemorial have always had a best idea about God. Well, we think God's this, He's, he's, he's unknowable, He's just a force, he's, or there are hundreds of thousands of God, or pantheism, like we talked about a few weeks ago, where God's in the plants, and God's in the dirt, and God's in the trees, and God's in the animals, and, you know, and all those kinds of ideas, they're all different ideas. And I will tell you, it's all demonic, and it's all futility in thinking, even though you may get moral categories that are appealing. See, we're all drawn to that. A lot of people think this is just a moral code book. I've ta- you hear me talk about it all the time. It is not. This is a narrative. It's a revelation of Jesus. It is not a guidebook for morality. It's the biggest question. It's a big. And in fact, I was having a conversation after the first service out in the foyer. And he says, my son comes to me and he asks me, he goes, I can't read. I read the Old Testament. He says, you know, told, tells David to go out and get 400 foreskins of the Philistines. Is this the kind of God that we worship, Dad? Do you go to the Bible for a moral code book? Are we going to stone any adulterers in here this morning after the service? But it's in the Bible. It's a revelation of Jesus. We'll talk about that later. He had to keep Israel intact long enough to where the the seed should come. And there are many other reasons for those Old Testament stories, but you can't just look at it. But most people say it's a moral code book. Hammurabi's code, if you go back in time, even before the time of Moses, was a long series of, of, of laws that were created, even pre-Mosaic law, that looked very similar to Moses' law. And so some people say, well, they just, they just took those, those laws and they, he just took them from his culture. No, he didn't. It's natural. We know that God's, God reveals himself in creation the moral c- code is etched into our even fallen DNA. We know intuitively what's right and what's wrong. But I will tell you it's still futile in thinking that, well, if you just if you're just a good person, you'll be fine. We we vastly underestimate the holiness of God. We vastly overestimate our ability to lead a virtuous life separate from the creator. Those are religions. So what do religions do? They either deny God's existence, and what, where does that lead you? Well, that's a bad situation. If you start denying God, you, then now you have no accountability, and everything's just, hey, a free-for-all. You do whatever seems right to you. And if you say there's there is a God, well, let's create a God that's going to allow me to live my life like I would like to live. Well, God's just a God of love, and I think that I'm loving people, and, yeah, I like to have, say, many... I like to have many sexual relationships with many different people. That was the 60s, wasn't it? And if I can have that, if I can live in that kind of world, that's a good world to live in because God's a God of love and we're all loving everybody. Why didn't the 60s last? Because it doesn't work. It leads to chaos. It's futility of thinking. Paul's saying you've got to move away from that. And then lastly, oh, we're just animals. That's futile thinking. We're not creating the image of God. The animal, we're just part, we're just kind of high on the charts of the animal kingdom this isn't even a this isn't even a conversation about evolution i'm just telling what the bible tells us the bible tells us that we are created in the image of god imago dei the animals are not they're driven by instinct this morning uh, our hound a big 80 pound hound it starts scratching at the door of which my daughters tell me they cannot hear, even though they're this far from this loud scratching. Many hundreds of feet across many, you know, a little atrium thing and a living room and multiple doors and everything. I can be in a dead sleep. I can be woken up by that. Three feet away, they can't hear it. But that dog lives on instinct. At a certain time, it is right. So Laura has to get up, myself, and we we go, we make our way, or Grandpa does, and we open the door, and it goes flying down, and trying to make the corner on that tile and everything to get to its food. No, you got to go outside first. Oh yeah, it knows that. It tries to get away with it each week. Open the door, goes out as fast as it can, does its business, comes back as fast as it can, closes the door, and starts jumping, doing circles, doing circles, because BB knows exactly it's going to get. She's going to get her food. She gets fed twice a day, and it's not enough for her. <laughs> She's driven by instinct. She's dri- she knows exactly. Well, see, we're just like the animals. People are just like the animals. We're driven by instinct. You can be driven by instinct if you live your life in the futility of your mind. And isn't it, isn't it convenient that when we do want to lead a lifestyle that is animalistic, we'll just say, well, we are just animals. No better, no worse, no more valued or less. Well, that's not true. Nobody holds to that. Even those that would espouse that philosophy are not down picketing that any time a chicken loses its life to be part of Chick-fil-A's overall effort to reach the world... That, that, that they're picketing that as they would another human being. And yet it's also been used to say, well, no, that is true. And if you look back at Hitler, that was what was the case. That was the proof is that we are just a more evolved animal, no different than the rest of the animal kingdom. And some of that very foundation gets in, and it leads again to chaos, its futility of thinking. So those are just three ways that I think of immediately. That's futile thinking. It's earthbound. It's devoid of the spirit of the living god. So, let me ask you a question here. Are we ever going to get ready of get rid of this sarks, the Greek here is our flesh. sarks. What is that? It's it's a picture of our body, our natural body, our animal nature, if you will. Romans chapter 8 verse 5. Listen to what Paul says. Are you ever going to get rid of this in this lifetime? No. Those who are according to the flesh, the sarks, the animal nature, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For the mindset on the animal nature is death, but the mindset on the Spirit is life and peace. Because the mindset on the animal nature, if you've bought into that, is hostile towards God. It's it doesn't subject itself to the law of God. It's not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh are not able to what? Please God. Incapable of pleasing God. You live in according to your instinct. What is instinct? I feel this, I do this. I feel this, I am this. Is that who you are? Or does God give us something higher? No, you're created in my image. I know you have impulses, fallen impulses, but if you'll follow me, I'll help you overcome these impulses. That's the call. Or you can just go back to your futility of mind living and buy into some mantra that we know intuitively is not true. We know we're something different than the animal kingdom. We know it. We We can work hard. And I'm impressed. There's some animals I'm pretty impressed with. I'll be honest with you, there's some animals that can do some amazing things. But they're still creatures of instinct. People forget that every time. Well, you know, you don't know my animal. And then a wild animal turns around and attacks them or something like that. They're creatures of instinct. We are not. But devoid of God, we do. We act like unreasoning animals, according to Peter. So how do we get rid of this? Last thing I will say, you know, Peter said something interesting. He said, We've been redeemed. Interestingly enough, listen to Peter's language. We've been redeemed from our feudal way of life that was inherited from our forefathers. Have you ever thought about that? How many of you in here can name both your great great grandmother's name and your great great grandfather's name on both sides? Anybody? Not one. Not one in the first service either. How fast are we forgotten? Happens really fast, doesn't it? You might even have created a big fortune, and your great-great-grandkids are going to live into that fortune, and they won't even remember your name. How do you feel about that? <laughs> this came down from us, and we got it from somewhere else, and we don't even, we don't even remember his name, her name. It happens so fast. This futility. We don't know. Do you even know what your forefathers did? There's probably very, very few of you at all who maybe even have three or four generations where both sides of the family tree were godly, righteous people. Highly unlikely that you have two or three generations where both sides of the family tree and both parents, all the way, are both righteous people. You have inherited it, both DNA-wise. And just spiritually speaking, some of you have inherited some beautiful spiritual things, but many of you have inherited futility. That's just the way it is. Colossians, formerly you were alienated from God and you were hostile in your mind. See, it's in our mind that we're hostile towards God. We want to think our thoughts. We want to create our gods. We want to do it the way we want to do it. It just is. It's the human condition. So, how are we going to get our minds off of this <laughs> earthbound horror show? Well, Colossians 3 says, Set your mind on the things above. Remember, all good things come from above, from the Father of light. Set your mind on the things above. The mindset on the animal nature, the flesh, the earthbound thinking, that leads to death. The mindset on the spirit, where does the spirit come? It falls from the heavens. Under the blessings of being of Jesus' follower, that's where we get the Holy Spirit. Believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ, you shall be saved. Be baptized for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is extraterrestrial. It's not of this earth. It comes from above. It's the Holy Spirit that enlivens us. It's the Holy Spirit that gives us hope. It's the Holy Spirit that helps us have the mind of Christ. It's awesome. Okay, so in closing, let's talk about a few things. How, what's the fallout if you don't leave this futile way of thinking? What's the fallout? I, th- I think of a few things. First of all, fear. It can lead to powerful, powerful fear. As I said earlier, this earth is dangerous, right? And then add all the phobias and the phobia of this and the phobia of that, and you walk around and you're like, ah. What? I gotta have insurance on that? Oh, I'm worried. Oh, I think I'm having a heart attack. Ah, my leg, my leg. I mean, it's just. Things can hit you from everywhere. If you don't believe in God, you're a worry wart. Says you. You know, you're either a worrier or you trust God. You cannot be both. You say, well, I trust Jesus, but I do worry a lot about. Well, you're not trusting God as you want to. It's one of the beautiful, it's the bread of the children, if you will, not to worry. Listen to what Paul tells Timothy. Many of you will know well, 2 Timothy 1, verse 7. God's not given us a spirit of timidity or fear, depending on your translation, but of love and power and a sound mind or discipline, but a sound mind. And it is a discipline to have a sound mind. God... A sound mind comes from outside of our galaxy and comes streaming down via the Holy Spirit and say, you can take my body, I don't care. If I die, if I live, it's all a win for me, it's eternal. You say, that's Pollyannish thinking. No, that's the bread of the children. That's what we have in Christ. That's what Jesus told us. It's a big claim, Jesus came out of the sky. Well, he didn't come out of the sky. He created it all and he entered the dimension of time and space for 33 and a half years, and he said, this is the way out, and it's through me. Follow me, and I'm going to take you out of this chaos. I'm going to take you out of this world. One day, I'm going to fully take you out of this world. This, the elements are going to be melted with heat. Who knows what that's going to be? A meteor strike, something's going to happen. There's going to be some mega blast from some star that's close enough. You know, that could happen at any moment. You do realize that. We have so many events. If you go out and watch, just watch the Science Channel, there's a, like a thousand things that can kill us at any moment. <laughs> Wipe us out. Burn us. If we just move slightly out of our, our rotational axis tilt of the earth, which is just, I mean, all these factors are just, and are you going to do this without God? Well, you'll be afraid. You will be freaking out all the time. Or you don't have to be. I trust God. Well, that's one of the, some of the fallout of feudal ways of thinking. Uh, worldly wisdom will never get us to God. As I said before, you're either going to not believe in God, therefore no accountability, therefore no purpose, therefore no, I'm just going to live in the moment, you know, got to get it while you can, it's almost over, kind of a way of thinking. Well, that's not a good way to live. We, that, uh, many of you maybe have tried that in your life could probably get a long litany of people that just come up here and just, well, I, I tried to live that way, and this is what happened. I tried to live that way. I saw, I read something this last week, and I don't know, the millennials will know this in here. Uh, he created something called Vine, which Twitter ended up buying. It was like a six-second something that uh, Twitter was able to incorporate into their, into their tweeting and, uh, and then he was involved with an app that was like an HQ trivia thing where people would go online, have hundreds of 100,000 people, and they would play this game for real money. And it was an app that you could play on this. And the guy was a multimillionaire in his 20s, unbelievable, brilliant, was one of those nerds that just went into his room and, and just coded and learned all these ability to code, and he was just brilliant. They said he was off the charts. He lived like an animal. He lived in the futility of his mind. 34, dead. Heroin. His name was Kroll, K-R-O-L-L. You can go read about him. Lived like an animal. Lived in the futility of his mind. So we can either deny God's existence or we can, again, create our own. That can lead us to, you know, open theism or process theology where somehow we create a God that really doesn't know the future, that he's not really part of the big plan he's learning and he's in process he doesn't know the future and if God doesn't know the future then he can't what secure my future see I think that's heretical I know that many of those ideas theological ideas have come within the Christian community to try to help us somehow reconcile the idea of a good God and then evil in the world and and we'll talk about that in future sermons but I'll tell you right now, that's not the way to do it, is to limit, somehow limit God and create a God that really doesn't know what God really knows. If God doesn't know the future, then how, how is he gonna bring it to pass? How can he secure your future, both on this planet until your day is called or the future to come if he's in process or if he's just open to the future? No, that's not the case. That is not the case. So we limit God, we create our own. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, can we get there anyway? Does worldly wisdom ever get us there? 1 Corinthians one twenty one. for since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God. <clears throat> Jesus had to enter the stream of humanity and say, I am the way out, if you will. I am the truth. I'm the embodiment of the truth. I'm not pointing you to the truth. I am the truth and I am the life. But God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. Even Paul's saying, I realize this whole cross thing and dead and buried and resurrected, I realize it's hard to accept. It goes back to that original claim. But what are your alternatives to Jesus? Let me ask you, what are your alternatives to Jesus? The good old college try, your own opinion. The fact that you stayed at a Holiday Inn Express last night? I mean, what is it in your life that, well, it just, it's going to lead to chaos. It's going to lead to tyranny. It will. Jesus brought a sword and he brought peace. Which will you embrace? We don't want a king. We love a democracy, don't we? We don't like anybody ruling over us. Well, neither do they. Judges 21 25, it says simply, In those days, there was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. The reason you see the chaos that you see is people are doing what's right in their own eyes. Say, No, no, they're doing what's wrong, the bad guys. There's, there's us good guys, and there's those bad guys. Jesus made this simple You're all bad guys. There is no one good, no one's righteous. No one seeks after me, nobody. So if you're feeling, hey, I'm leading a virtuous life apart from, apart from even a need to believe in God, you're deluded. It's demonic. It's You are living in a fantasy of your own mind's creation according to the Word. And then lastly, you know, when we read that, and I'll go back and just read it again in closing, simply this. As truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which, your old self, which is being corrupted. Not was corrupted, it's still being corrupted. My body is still being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit. What are lusts? They're cravings. Strong cravings. Epithumia. Epithumia is the Greek word for this lust. It's an unending craving. I got to have it, 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 I got to have it. What have you got to have today? If I don't have a relationship, I'll be miserable because I'll be lonely. If I don't have a man that will in some way give me an identity, then I, I have no identity uh, I've gotta have, I've gotta, Bibi's gotta have her food. I've gotta have this, you gotta have that. If I don't have security, if I don't have this much money in the bank, if I don't have this, if my looks, if I lose my looks, I'm gonna be miserable. <laughs> I mean, it just goes on and on. These all these fears, these things, just craving that you're living in the futility of your mind. Don't do it. This I say and affirm together with the Lord that you no longer walk as the non-covenantial people do. In the futility of their mind, darkened in their understanding, excluded from the very life of God. Can you see the process here? It starts with ignorance and then leads to hardness of heart. You're excluded from God's life. You become callous, and then finally God gives you over to your the lusts of your life to say, This is what'll make me happy. This is what'll make me happy. This is what'll make me happy. If I just have this amount of money or go on this amount of vacations or Just something, or even religiously, if I just go to enough Bible studies, enough at some point it's not about any of that. It is about Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I, I will give you rest. Now, is that not awesome? That's the promise. You can say it's too good to be true. It is too good to be true. It's beyond too good to be true but it's true. It's that one fairy tale that you've always wanted to come true, but it's a fairy tale. It's not a fairy tale. It's the one fairy tale that comes true. How do we know that? It's not going to happen without a it's not going to happen without a fight. I will tell you right now. Paul said this, 1 Corinthians 9, even after you have the Holy Spirit, even after you're not walking in the futility of your mind, it will be a battle until you're dead. Listen to what he says. Therefore, and he uses all these beautiful sports metaphors. I run in such a way. Not without aim. I'm not just running. It's not the silly walk. I'm not running. I'm running with aim. I'm in a lane. I understand my gift. I understand my call. I'm sprinting towards the finish line. You know those sprinters, they have those little lanes. You stay in your lane. I'm running with a very distinct aim. That's what he says. I box in such a way as not to beat the air. So I'm, you know, poof, you know undercut, you know. I, I, I'm really, I, that's how I box? I don't just box like this. <laughs> Blindfolded, boxing the air? No way, man. I discipline my body and I make it my slave. Let me ask you a question. Is your body your slave or is it your master? Does your body tell you what to do? Or does your spirit inform your body what you'll be doing today? Otherwise, after I've preached to others, maybe I'll be disqualified. Well, let me just tell you. That's, again, why we meet here Sundays and fellowship groups and go see Mike Mills afterwards or Barbara or something. Get involved in a foundations class. Understand your identity. Get involved in one of the groups with Paul, help you set up or Mary, you know, and all the different found, rooted. And there's just so much beautiful. And connect with people. Go have lunch. I met with a couple of people and said, we went out to lunch last week. It was unbelievable. We had such a great time. I never knew them. And they talked and... There's ways to connect and remind each other that these things are important. So the most important thing is ingesting this and living it that you will ever participate in. I promise you. I, there's no question. Not one question in my mind. Why? Because God said it. Listen to what he says. Isaiah, ni- Isaiah 29, verse 14. I tell you what I'm going to do. Forget it. I, want, I did this in first service. I feel compelled to do it in the second. And then we'll close. Isaiah 46. It's not going not gonna to come up behind me unless they pulled it out of the, well, spontaneous generation. Uh, Isaiah 46. Listen, this is the God you worship. Do you want a God that doesn't know the future? Do you want a God that can't control it? Do you want a God that's subject to your whims because he's given you free will? Or do you want a God that controls it all? I want a God that controls it all. Is that the creation of my own mind? Could be. But I'll listen to what you get here. Remember the former things long past, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is no one like me. Declaring the end from the beginning. Did you catch that? I've already told you what's going to happen. From ancient times, things which have not been done, saying, my purpose will be established. I'll accomplish all my good pleasure. Calling a bird of prey from the east, a man... Of my purposes from a far country. I have spoken it. I will bring it to pass. I have planned it. Surely I will do it. Do what? Jesus is coming back. Isaiah 29 says, Behold, I will deal marvelously with this people, wondrously marvelous, and the wisdom of their wise men will perish. All this earthbound futility of thinking, it's going to end Nobody's going to be lying about me anymore. There's no God. Jesus didn't want. You can't trust the Bible. This is true. That's true. You know, all philosophy. All that is going to end. Isaiah saw it 700 years before Jesus. All the wisdom of their wise men will perish. The discernment of their discerning men will be concealed. There's coming a day. There's coming a day when we're all going to be on the same page. Unless you're here this morning and you said, you know what? I'm not following Jesus. I can't believe it. Now, let me be very clear. I'm not saying this. I'm not a backwoods sweaty preacher. I'm just telling you, the Bible says, I'm just telling you, the Bible says that if you reject Jesus in his life, you'll be eternally separated from him. You're finally going to get what you always wanted, complete autonomy. But everything you, everybody you'll be with in that place will also want the same thing. And you'll have the same thing you had here. You'll have earth 2.0, but you won't have the church there anymore. You won't have Coachella Valley Rescue Mission. You won't have Mama's House. You won't have Young Life or FCA or even Church at the Red Door. Because we'll be gone. You can join us this morning. Give your life to Jesus. At least explore him. Safe place. You can come here. There is coming a day when all things are going to be set right, friends. Can you believe that? Stand to your feet. Let's finish this song. Man, I hear it playing. Come on, man. We'll see him face to face. Can you imagine that? I cannot wait until that day. This day is coming. Can you believe this? Is this good?
1: Are we believing into nothing?
0: Would you come down here, Bruce and Gaynor down here? Uh, Paul, Mary, Who uh, I don't let's see. Would you guys just come down here? Look, if, if you don't know that you're going to be part of that day, if you're still living in the futility of your mind, today can be a day that you give your life to Jesus. Come down here and pray with one of these people. They will pray. They will walk you through what it is to be a child of God before you hit the doors. It's a dangerous place out there. They can walk you into that Today. And you can know forever that you are connected to a source outside your own wisdom. Thank God for that. Father, we thank you for this morning. I thank you for Church at the Red Door. I thank you for the privilege to be part of a family like this. We don't know where you're taking us. We're only a couple years old. But Father, we do believe that you've, you've called us for a particular task, along with all the other churches here in the valley. Help us walk into it in faithfulness and belief that you're worth it. In Jesus' name, amen. We love you. Have a great week. Don't leave too early. Love on people before you leave.